Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Hello, media consumers. Welcome to this emergency edition of the Press Box. Ryan Curtis, David Shoemaker, producer Eduardo Ocampo here. David, we have some huge news this morning from Fox. WWE SmackDown is leaving to go to the <laughs> USA Network. I kid. Rupert Murdoch is retiring, David. Yeah. Rupert Murdoch. He says in a statement, I am writing to let you all know I have decided to transition to the role of Chairman Emeritus at Fox and News. He is still going to be a counselor as his son, Lachlan, becomes the sole chairman of both companies. And thus ends the active career, at least for now. I suppose we can't rule out a Rupert comeback at some point of the biggest arch villain in American media until Elon Musk made a run at the crown. This is kind of the mother of all where do we starts, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is where real life, you know, veers away from succession, right? It doesn't, it, it, it ends not with a bang, but with an emergency press box podcast. So, uh, <laughs> By the way, you ready to go ahead and declare the overworked Twitter joke of the week? I saw like 900 
Logan Roy tweets already. Well, the, I mean, this this could come 20 minutes into this podcast, but I'll just say it now. It's funny when you're rereading all of the Rupert Murdoch profiles after the news today, you realize just how much of it's creeped into succession in various forms, forms you know, through, <laughs> over the over the seasons. Um, Wouldn't it have been better, by the way, if he had given the pop of his retirement to succession in its final season? a thing everybody loved rather than to Michael Wolf on the week before his Rupert Murdoch Fox News book release. Yes. Just seems like a really, really poor choice. Yeah, yeah. Part of Rupert Not Murdoch. as many people paying attention. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the reporting that, that comes out of this stuff, you know, today uh, by Wolf and others is going to be interesting because, you know, the reporting up to this point seems to be that Murdoch is... And I guess we should say Rupert Murdoch because there are other Murdochs involved. Uh, mm -hmm. That R Rupert Murdoch has been, you know, less decreasingly involved in day-to-day -day operations, um, decreasingly engaged um, in several senses of the word, uh, and that Lachlan's been running the show for a while. So uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, to find out how they actually came to the decision where it was important, significant for him to step back, and how recently the step back happened because. You and I were just looking at Dominion lawsuit texts mm -hmm. from the 2000 election and from January 2001. Yeah. That's not that long ago. No. Where it was very clear that Rupert Murdoch was exerting control or, let us say, attempting to exert control over the network mm -hmm. and how they covered Donald Trump. And we can get to the whole point about Rupert and Donald in just a minute. It seems like his decline has been pretty, I mean, you know, has has come on quickly in, in the years since then. Um, and who knows? I mean, it, listen, his his most significant skill for decades, but particularly in the era in which his son or sons have been uh, active participants in the empire has been the weight that he can throw around, you know, the influence that he that he peddles. Um, so you can imagine that in the Dominion case, just him making uh, kind of defiant or definitive decisions had a real impact um even if he wasn't you know day-to-day -day running the ship steering the ship running the show sure uh, steering All the, the steering the yacht let's just go with that um <laughs> definitely doing that so yeah uh it, it's it's uh it's a it's a significant day um that you know Anytime one of the, the 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 greatest monsters in world history decides to retire, we have to get together and talk about it. There's one story I just absolutely love from his newspaper proprietor days, mm -hmm. or his days when he was mostly a newspaper proprietor. He went from Australia to the UK. He bought the London Times, mm -hmm. which was this wrenching event in the UK that Rupert Murdoch owns the London Times. Sure. And... I went down this rabbit hole a couple of years ago that there was a guy in Germany who forged phony Adolf Hitler diaries. Forged them. <laughs> they said yeah. they had been found decades after the end of World War II, and these would purport to show the thoughts of this man in this moment of world history. They were not real at all. He had literally written them himself. He peddles them to a German publication, and then they get peddled to Rupert Murdoch's London Times. Mm -hmm. And on the night before they are set to publish these phony diaries, Murdoch's own historian who wrote a column for the paper gets cold feet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think these might not be real. 
I think we are about to publish this giant fraud, or at least there was this tingling sensation. And when this is reported to Murdoch, when these fears are, his quote was, I'm only paraphrasing slightly, fuck him, publish. Now, <laughs> is, there, is there any quote that sums up the Murdoch era of journalism? More than that, right? And his thinking was, it's entertainment. It's, you know, so yeah. what? It's entertainment. We'll get a big pop out of this. Mm -hmm. And then if we have to crawl it back and apologize and have egg on our face, we'll probably get a lot of attention out of that, too. How much does that yeah. remind you of the New York Post, of Fox News, of all the various Murdoch properties? If you don't recoil in fear and panic when you make a giant mistake, then you can get as much publicity on the back end as you do from publishing the fake thing. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be fake for publishing the super problematic thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's entertainment. It's business. It's uh, it's it's kind of all the, you know, capitalized words except for news. Um, but that was Rupert Murdoch's genius. And, you know, that'll be what history sort of tars him with as well. There are the newspapers, the New York Post here in the U.S., and then later the Wall Street Journal. But I think so much of his legacy in our lifetimes, especially as it relates to politics, is Fox News, mm -hmm. which went on the air October 7th, 1996. I think I first latched onto Fox News in full on Election Day 2000. Yeah. Actually, the day after the election, because I remember falling asleep with that strange, uncertain result, Bush v. Gore. And I woke up, and for some reason in my apartment, Fox News was just playing and had been playing all night. Yeah. And I wake up to these anchors talking with certitude in my memory about how Bush was definitely the winner of the election. That there could be no ambiguity. Mm -hmm. And this is still when Fox News is kind of sneaking up on people. Yeah. Not the force it would later become. I know Bill O'Reilly, I think, was already a thing. But I just remember being like, wait a minute. They're not talking like those dispassionate guys on network news where it's like, oh, let's just hold on here. Let's, 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 let's not make any rash determinations. It was just a completely different tone. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, when you just talk about fiendishly clever bits, where do you rank we report, you decide? Oh, yeah. I mean, that it goes hand in hand with all the catchphrases from the early O'Reilly days, right? The no spin zone, all that kind of stuff. But um, looking out for you, yeah, um, yeah. It's really smart. It's, I mean, it's it it's a uh, it is the entire presentation of Fox News, though. I mean, they could be they could be and have at numerous times reported abject lies as fact. Uh, you know, and that's to say nothing of the daily kind of obfuscation of what actually merits conversation in favor of whatever they choose to talk about. Um, but you know, you get your Windsor nights, Windsor knots tied up just right. And, uh, you know, you sit behind the, the desk and the camera angles just right. Whatever. I mean, every, it just, it looks like news. It feels like news. Uh huh. Um, the content is sort of secondary or, I mean, the content is actually primary. It's just the, in, in terms of the perception, everybody out there watching is like, yes, I'm watching the news. <laughs> and you're you're kind of trained in a Pavlovian way to take what is said as as fact.
the aesthetics of Fox News are always fascinating to me because there's probably a reality where it would have been more slickly produced and better, at least as a sensory experience than Mm -hmm. old network news. But it really wasn't, you know, the graphics were punchier, maybe the sound was turned up kind of on the, on the sort of, you know, interstitial music and stuff a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it was actually just kind of more bolder than network news or punchier than network news. Louder. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you're absolutely right. But I think that's the point. I mean, I think that that's deliberate. It hasn't even evolved to the extent that like Fox sports graphics have evolved over the years, you know, and, and or NFL football in particular. Um, but we've talked about this from the opposite side. When we see networks like CNN trying to break out of the mold of television news, trying to innovate and not, and getting stuck in doing the exact same thing because they're trapped in those things. But I think for Fox, it was a little bit of the inverse. It, it was, you know, they wanted to look as familiar as possible so that nobody would question the stuff that came out of their collective mouths. <laughs> the Roger Ailes branding of Fox was unbelievable because if you go back to 1996, you have conservative media criticism, which is now a giant industry in and of itself in much smaller form. Mm -hmm. But one of its planks was that the newspapers and the TV networks were liberal. They were liberal in nature. Sure. Which, if we look at it from 10,000 feet, was true in certain aspects. But what Roger Ailes told every reporter that would listen, and if we remember in the old days, Roger Ailes was a guy who was given interviews, who was a great quote, who loved attention, was we here at Fox are going to create a down-the-middle news network. Not like those left-leaning newscasts you see on ABC and NBC. We're going to do it right down the middle. Yeah. And then, of course, what they do in practice is create something that is far more slanted than even what they are claiming Network news is. Mm -hmm. So whatever their fantasia of what you were seeing from Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings was, the actual product of Fox News was even wilder than that. But it had this slogan. Oh, oh, it has a slogan. And I always wondered how much viewers, especially in those early days, were in on the bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think they were watching this and like, finally, something that tells it down the middle? Or were they like, well finally a conservative news network. It's impossible to say, although you do feel, I mean, it it, it did feel watching like O'Reilly in those early days that he was winking, certainly a little, a little bit more winking than Hannity is now, you know, than some of the, some of the other hosts are now. There was, (laughs) That's that's a low bar, but okay. There, I mean, even, you know, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson's another one, and both people who have sort of ideologically moved towards the, you know, combative end of the spectrum. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there was, it seemed like there was a little bit more of a, of a smirk in the early days, but who knows? Who knows what the, what the audience thought? Uh, I don't think that was the point. I do think, too, that, that catchphrases aside, I mean, it must be said that 
we have these conversations about to what degree the hosts themselves really believe the stuff that they're peddling or whatever. I mean, Rupert Murdoch, ideologically, is very far right. And so is his son, Lachlan, maybe even more so. Um, Ailes may have been non-ideological to some extent, but sure, but he was, but he was, or, or motivated by things above ideology, but but he, he worked was, for Richard Nixon. So no, but I'm saying, but he worked for Nixon. He was incredibly, he was a conservative guy as well. Sure. Whether or not they, whether or not they were self-aware in their, in their, you know, production meetings, they did believe that the news was skewed to the left, and they believed that they were, or at least they convinced themselves that that they had a mission, and that justified every choice that they made. That I think mixed with the idea that news is entertainment. Yeah. The fuck it publish mentality. Mm -hmm. There is an ideological underpinning here, but there's also this greater idea that what we're doing every night is an entertainment show. Yeah. Remember, this is before the days when just having a kind of ideologically inclined host in primetime was something that every network was doing. Mm -hmm. CNN still had Larry King on the air in the early days of Fox News. MSNBC was trying out what was like Phil Donahue and all those other things like that that were just yeah. very, very strange, right? It wasn't it wasn't what it was today. And they very much created that grammar of ideologically inclined entertainer mm -hmm. is giving you an hour every night. Yeah. Which would later become the norm in cable news. Fox News became this incredible franchise. Every time a very, very popular host left the network, all the reporters say, oh, is this the end of Fox News? Yeah. Oh, David, the ratings went down on Tuesday. Anderson Cooper won the night. Chris Hayes won the night. They may never recover from losing Bill O'Reilly, Greta Van Susteren, Tucker Carlson, Alan Combs. All right, nobody said that about Alan Combs. But they always did <laughs> because the Murdoch created brand and Ailes created brand was way bigger than the hosts themselves. Maybe that will end some at some point. Maybe the fact that that is an older audience and that the cable bundle is withering in front of us, maybe that will change. But it was all it hasn't changed yet. And now they've got Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld doing primetime. This this was not the A team a couple of years ago. But those guys are still doing huge numbers because people are tuning in for the brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to mention Newsmax and the various other yeah. far right com com competition. I use the term very loosely here. I mean, part of that's just an inevitability, right? I mean, you you become big enough, you become successful enough, there will be pretenders to the throne or at least minor league imitators that realize they can they can um you know eat around the edges uh but you know there's a larger conversation we could say for another day i guess just about to what degree fox created this ecosystem that then they weren't willing to go or or that that spiraled out of control basically like there's a, there's an element of it that they couldn't they they either didn't have enough space or the ideological want to 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 pursue and you know the trump years obviously really exacerbated that issue this episode is brought to you by thomas's 
Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash! Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. That's where I want to go next. Because you mentioned Rupert as an ideologue. He is also to an extent, somebody who's very, very practical, both about conservative politics and about the future survival and thriving nature of his own media enterprises. When Mitt Romney loses in 2012, he is, if I remember correctly, one of the guys saying, hey, we need to moderate this party on immigration reform. Mm-hmm. When Donald Trump comes in peddling what would become the MAGA movement in 2016 during that presidential election, Murdoch is not on board at all. He does not see that as a good way for Fox or the Republican Party to go. Then Trump captures the nomination and the entire conservative movement, and Rupert Murdoch is like, all aboard. At which point, then there's a flip, right? Yeah. And to whatever extent Rupert had become a conservative kingmaker, and I think that's an interesting topic, too, that my spiritual advisor, Jack Schaefer, has pushed back on over the years, whether Mm -hmm. Republican voters were actually listening to him at every step. He then finds himself answering to Donald Trump. Yeah. Which leads us to the Dominion lawsuit, which causes a panic inside Fox when they see those conservative imitators. You talk about Newsmax eating away at their audience because they are more loyal to claims about the 2000 election and to Trump himself. And then you get this weird thing here at the end of his career where he's like, we don't have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. We've tried to upend this guy in 2016. We tried to do it again with Ron DeSantis in 2023. 
as this presidential campaign started, and we can't do it, at least not yet. Well, just like every other anti-Trump force on the on the you know right, if you don't go all in, there's absolutely no hope. And they, you know, I would say they learned it the hard way, but they, you know, they they acclimated themselves, right? They adjusted. Um, what you're talking about is is what we were talking about before. It's the intersection of ideology, entertainment, and money, right? I mean, and and business, yes. and um, I think the the moments in Murdoch's career where he was he was at a quandary, where those two things were butting heads. I think are probably the most informative and interesting points, right? Because it seemed to be it's for so much of it, it seemed to be a pretty effortless um, journey as far, as far as those things go. And then, you know, you're right when there was something he could not abide politically or a person like Trump who he could not abide. Um, that's that was the real test. Now, I mean, I agree. I believe with Jack Schaefer on the Kingmaker point. But I do think that's a little bit beside the point, too, because, you know, when when someone is running for office on the Republican side, there's only one ring to kiss. You know, there's not someone there. There, there is not a there is not a bigger ring uh, that you could go that, you know, that you could be smooching. Yeah, it's a Super Bowl sized ring. And especially yes. And especially in those sort of D.C. circles. Uh, I think he probably even has an outsize reputation. Uh, as being someone of that sort of significance. But yeah, it, it's the the Trump stuff is, has obviously, you know, affected Fox negatively. Um, <laughs> to the extent of several hundred million dollars in the Dominion yeah. lawsuit. Um, and I think that probably, you know, if anything, it will probably look back and, and, and learn that it that that delayed his his retirement or whatever you want to call this. Right. I mean, you can you can see a pretty straight line where he said, well, I have to stick around until this blows over. Um, but I also have to leave before I pass on so that Lachlan can have his chance to really steer before I'm gone. I mean, that, 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 that if I had to guess, I would guess that's the arithmetic. Rupert Murdoch's ring is the ring to kiss. I totally agree. And I also think, in a way, Fox News becomes the country club, the theater of Republican Party politics. I saw a Semaphore article the other day talking about how Nikki Haley's numbers have crept up, mm -hmm. even though she's only talked to the press as in like a gaggle with reporters twice, but she just goes on Fox News. Yeah. And there's a forum there to do very positive, uh, nearly pushback free interviews mm -hmm. about the Republican issue of the day. Yeah. That's where it's, that's where it's happening, right? That's where that discussion is happening is within the biosphere of Fox News. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere else. And they're happy to do it. You know, they've done the same with Vivek Ramaswamy. They've done it obviously with Ron DeSantis. They've done True. it from time to time with Trump. But that's, I mean, obviously a more subtle, I mean, that's a, that is a relatively lo-fi, subtle advantage, I mean, ability that they have to push those people. And, and it could be very significant. But it goes to your point about like, this is where we come, right? Yeah. Whether they're the no. kingmaker or not, this is where This is happened. the establishment. And I, and I fully agree with that. I, I just think, uh, you know, it's almost like when Iger left Disney the first time uh, before his return, and it every and a lot of the a lot of the um, you know a lot of the analysis was that he was leaving at a good time. He was going to get out before all these like you know 
existential problems were fully it like fully swallowed the business. Then he had to get back in and now he's trying to deal with those and it's not a lot of fun. But there's but I think that the problems that we saw that Fox saw through the Trump years uh are only going to get bigger, right? I mean it's it just a, listen, it's one thing to go out there and say, you know, we report you decide. We are the we are the sole purveyors of truth of, you know, in this in this skewed liberal world. Um but they've created a whole industrial complex of people of of mimics and 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 wannabes and if yep. you are interested in a subject if you hear something if you hear something on Fox News and you google it you're likely going to find a site that like is is further to the right or or more reactionary than Fox News is and they don't have the sort of uh, you know they don't they're not the only voice in the room anymore even if they are the biggest and the most significant even if they are the institution at some point institutions kind of you, you chip away at them and, and it, it ends up doing a whole lot of damage, which is, you know, the, the institutions like the institutions that Fox News went after at the, in the beginning. All those guys who have 700,000 Twitter followers and a blue check mark mm -hmm. and some podcast that you and I have never heard of. Yeah. They are the children of Fox News and now the competitors. Yeah. There's a real, News. there's a real, I mean, there's a real practical version of this, right? Where, where like a lot of the folks, uh, that you see on Newsmax, a lot of the talking heads are people that appeared on Fox News. But, you know, at some point we're probably like, can I get one of those full-time contributor deals? Or like, can I come on every day? Could I get my own show? And Fox was like, no, we're good with you once a week. And they, but they're like, but I have all this time on my hands and I like doing this. <laughs> like, and, I, and this is, you know, this is I a great to way to get give. the word out. Yeah, I have more to give. So where can I go? Well, I'll go to this other platform. I'll start my own podcast. I'll start my own sh like web show. I'll do whatever. I mean, so that, I mean, that's a real practical part of it. And then- I'll run for president. If and when you, you, Vic you, Ramaswamy, I, I'll, I'll choose that as my non-Fox gig. You talk about Donahue on MSNBC. I mean, there was a point in time where it was just, where all of these channels were just like, do you have experience talking with a microphone in front of you? Okay. <laughs> that's as, you're that's in. It. Yeah, you're in. And now you have literally generations of, of people who grew up saying that would be a cool job to have, right? Uh, and and uh, those people are all gonna, you know, or a lot of those people are gonna try to find a way to, to work. And the ideology such as it was, I mean, I think that the, that, the, that the learned ideology, what Fox News gave to its viewers over the years was not a philosophically sound one. It was a, it was a, it was a, an ideology of reactionaryism, you know, yes. like it was, it was, it was an ideology of, of, uh, aggrievement and of, well, you know, racism and, and, and sexism and a lot of other things too. Um, and that is harder to control than a than, than a governing philosophy. If it were, if they were strictly about taxes and borders, then it then competition would be, it, it would be harder for the competition. But, um, it's, but Fox news doesn't get to call the plays. You know, I mean, this whole thing has gone, has just sort of spiraled away from them. And you can't just be like, no, 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 no. But here's the rule book. I mean, they, 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 they blew up the rule book. That's where the entertainment thing comes in. Because part of making an entertaining news product is that you kind of make people mad every night. And if people are mad all the time, Mm -hmm. Online or offline. Not mad at you, mad at no, someone. Mad at something, right? Mad at, a, at mad at Bud Light. Uh-huh. Mad at Biden. Mad at Hunter Biden. Mad at who, whatever they're mad at, then that is harder to control. And that gets them into this state where 
it is, as you say, not a stable political movement, but an inherently unstable political movement. I want to hit two things before we go. Michael Wolf, God bless him, has been talking a lot about in interviews this idea of what's going to happen to the various Murdoch media properties. Mm-hmm. Now, this is usually talked about in the event of Murdoch's death. But there's also an element we can talk about today with his retirement, because a lot of these properties rely on Murdoch, we know, for their marching orders. And some of them, like the newspapers, probably rely on Murdoch for their very existence. I don't think that's an overstatement. The New York Post, for instance, right? Like the New York Post exists in its present form or exists, you know, which is to say, not the daily news, right? Something that is still slugging away there in New York City because Rupert Murdoch wants it to exist. Mm-hmm. He likes it. He likes what it does for him. He likes the pulpit it offers him. He likes what that the wood, the front page can do, both to attract attention and probably to influence politics. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a fascinating conversation going forward. Same with Fox News, because there's this whole thing of like, well, when Rupert leaves this mortal coil, there'll be this big battle between his heirs to either keep Fox News and change it in some way or just sell it off, at which point somebody else would probably change it. And change could be anything, right? Change doesn't necessarily mean make it a more reasonable conservative network or make it into a liberal network. Just do something with it. Yeah. But it just underscores the point of how much these properties rely on Murdoch the Elder. Well, we see that across the media landscape, right? I mean, there's so many uh, publications that have been sold off, shut down, the mass layoffs, the 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 cuts, um, and you know, there's a uh, there's a piece of every conversation where you say, I mean, if only a billionaire would swoop in, a, a, a right-minded billionaire would come in and just understand that you know, making one dollar a year and keeping the fill in the blank newspaper afloat is a worthwhile investment. Um, I think the the numbers of billionaires who are invested in in that that old fashioned sort of status that you know that that sort of glory are it's a dwindling number, and um, that'll be part that will certainly be part of the conversation. Yeah, I guess I mean, to, and purely practically, I guess the question is: to, it does do the do, do those institutions re- drop in value quickly enough that selling them is not necessary? There's not as much upside to you know offloading them to ignoring them. But that's mm. a, that's a, that's a much different conversation. Yeah, it's like Fox News is this incredibly valuable thing, this money making thing, but it's also a cable news channel. Mm-hmm. Which, as we know here in 2023, is shrink, 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 shrink. At least in terms of the number of people in the cable bundle. Yeah. So, what is that worth? What is it worth without Rupert Murdoch making it Fox News? Well, I mean, Tucker Carlson got canned, and it, you know, very little of that conversation um, turned on. Well, what does this mean for their over-the-top investment, right? Because he was basically it. You know, they they spent. <laughs> documentary filmmaker tucker carlson no and he did his like his the show without the tie on you know like his his more (laughs) his more free-flowing conversation uh but he did a lot he did a lot of work for them and i and it's you know that's all to say you're absolutely right it's a cable it's a cable channel and today this week this past couple of weeks has been a particularly sort of terrifying time 
to be a cable news channel. Last part of Murdoch's legacy I want to hit on because this hits us straight in our childhoods. Dave and I grew up in a universe where there were three broadcast networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Murdoch <laughs> comes along and says, I want to create a fourth one. Yeah. And there was a time back when the number of the television station on your TV dial mattered that Rupert Murdoch's Fox, and this is not Fox News, but what they call Big Fox over on Pico uh -huh. Boulevard, was located in a very high place. I believe it was Channel 33 <laughs> in <laughs> Dallas-Fort Worth, where I would go find this network. And part of creating a pirate fourth network was he was allowing his programmers to take chances on shows like The Simpsons mm -hmm. and In Living Color. Mm -hmm. that the big broadcast networks never, ever would have touched. Yeah. We're just not interested in. There's a lot of dreck on early Fox, mm -hmm. but there was also a lot of really good shows and really shows that changed television in their way. Yeah. From those years. And then what happens is, Around 1993, Rupert Murdoch decides, you know what? If I want to become the real fourth network, I need one thing, and that is NFL football. Yeah. And he goes out and he outbids CBS for the NFC rights. He hires John Madden and Pat Summerall. And that is an amazing story in itself. And I always find this so funny coming from somebody who mostly writes about sports media, but you know, the impact of Fox in that world is very, very, very different than it is in the impact of in, in news. Mm -hmm. You can have the harshest possible assessment of FS1, the programming that's on that network. And you still look at football games and, you know, the money they pumped into the NFL, the way they changed the way football is shown on TV from everything from the score being on the screen all the time. Well, that decision, too, at that point in time, was either a harbinger or just a you know a crystal ball moment for him because he didn't go out and say, and he certainly, well, he might have. I don't know, but it, it, he, the, he went for the NFL and not like the Olympics. You he know knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that was, that was the product. Yeah. And what follows from that is so funny because when I was doing this oral history a few years ago, there's a guy named Preston Padden who was a Fox executive from those days who is now, by the way, warring with Murdoch about Fox News. But at the time, Murdoch went to this guy and said, here is a pot of money. We just bought the NFL. I want you to go to every city in America with this pot of money and see if their CBS affiliate, which used to have the football games, will mm -hmm. change to a Fox affiliate. And we can pay them to do this in some cases. Remember, these are all owned by different people. Yeah. So they would go to, let's say Dallas Fort Worth and say, Hey, channel four, you just lost the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But if you become a Fox affiliate, you can have the Cowboys again. So guess what happens in Dallas? And again, this sounds very old fashioned, but it was a huge deal at the time. Fox went from channel 33 to channel four. They did the same thing in Boise, Denver. They just go to air. Detroit was a big one. Everybody suddenly they were in the single digits. Mm-hmm. And Fox became a real network. Yep. The fourth network. So whatever he had spent on the NFL suddenly 
comes back to him by the idea that his network is not worth way more because it's a collection of stations that you could actually find on your old fashioned TV dial rather than one that you would go like, wait, is that the second dial that goes into the thirties on my TV and comes in fuzzy? It was a it was a brilliant gambit. I mean, it really, it really worked. It was mind blowing. And then he launches this whole, you know, sports network. They later get the NHL and the glowing puck baseball, which they still have. Mm -hmm. They've kept those NFL rights for 30 years now. Mm -hmm. It's been a huge part of it. Whenever we talk about like, what is network television right now? The answer is it is sports and more specifically, it is pro football. Yep. That's Fox. Joe and Troy, Pat and John. Now Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, last year's Super Bowl. A very, very interesting part of his legacy that is very, very different than the Fox News stuff. All right, David, much more to say on this subject. We can tackle some more of this on Monday. We should dive into more of the entertainment stuff. We can look forward to the future of Fox News. But for now, he is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Eduardo Ocampo. Shoemaker and I back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.